Blind Man Brewing, makers of craft beer in central Alberta, is proud to present this episode of Harmonious Gentlemen. Keep an eye out for their new taproom. podcast episodes were the size in binary digits of the fourth best nintendo console ever made you'd know this has to be episode 64 of the harmonious gentleman i'm chris i'm graham i'm tyler fourth best don't you think i can think of the original's got to be like the best Mm. super maybe second super's my favorite one is it yeah Hmm. and then i'd probably go with uh not GameCube, but the but Wii. Everyone had a Wii. Oh, the Wii Everybody was good. Everybody had a Wii. N sixty four is pretty good. Yeah, uh, fourth I, best. I love it. Perfect not, dark. Mm, yeah, yeah, that is game. my second favorite. Yeah, N sixty four depends game. on when you were born. Yeah, like us, uh, mid to late eighty birth years. Yeah, we mm-hmm. like the Nintendo sixty four. I think the best I, because it well, had the best the, game. The GoldenEye was the best. Game. Like the original is oh, hard to when it's the original. It's hard to top it. Yeah, but, like I'd go maybe. Maybe I would put the N64 at number one, and then yeah. the original NES, then Super, and then whatever, I could do my confession now. I was going to say it was the best, but I thought you guys were going to razz me that it wasn't as good as the original or Super. Oh. So oh. I said fourth best. I hedged my bets and Aww. lost. Well, this episode's not about video games. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got in trouble recently playing video games, as you know, with my mm. last confession. So we should move on to okay. our emails. <laughs> okay. Because Tyler is just itching. Yeah, to do it. I want to make some shout outs to uh, our listeners and emailers. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to CJ, Andy, and Caden. We've been back and forth with Caden a few times. And I just want to, I am going to read one email. It's from M, listener M. M, last name? Uh, no, Gunter. E- E-M. <laughs> like, <laughs> is M the last name? Did you mean <laughs> <laughs> no like the first name is m yeah <laughs> yeah can confirm m uh so the email is thoughts on forgiveness forgiveness is hard it makes us vulnerable and holding on to anger creates a sort of protection against the pain we feel when those who love hurt us we understandably do not want to open ourselves up to be hurt again we also may not want to do something gracious for someone who has wronged us I like to think of forgiveness as an inherently selfish act. It is a gift of grace we give to ourselves to release us from the bitterness and resentment we feel toward the person who has wronged us. We may not know how the other person is feeling or why they did what they did, but we get to choose how we react and how our lives move forward. Forgiveness seems like the more joyful path. Hmm. M wrote that email after episode 62 and didn't even know episode 63 was coming and that almost foreshadows it right yeah which is kind of cool <laughs> yeah yeah that's right when we're recording this episode we haven't released the last one with our guest but yeah definitely the same theme yeah yeah so thanks em that's we love hearing emails like that where it's kind of just responding to things we've talked about and mm-hmm. genuine and yeah we really appreciate it cool well let's uh move right along here little jingle featuring our favorite restaurant in Red Deer, and then we will recommend some stuff with our very, very special guest. This segment is proudly supported by Cilantro and Chive. The Harmonious Gentlemen highly recommend their fresh, simple eats and their passion for making their community a more harmonious place. So my recommendation for this evening, everyone, is a book. Now, you're going to tease me because I haven't read this book yet, and I know that's been a problem for me in the past. Um, it's the sequel to a book that I have read. So the book I have read is called Space Cadets by Robin Pollock, nice. who you all know mm-hmm. as one of our most amazing uh, guests and oldest guests, I think he pointed out. Right. Um, and his second book <laughs> just came out just this last week, although when you're listening to this, probably a month ago, but it came out, uh, you can get it on Amazon, it's called Space Cadet. Um, Battle for Tam is the sequel Mm -hmm. and I ordered it and um, I'm going to get him to sign it. I don't, I can't tell you if it's good or not. I'm assuming it is. It must be. But you understand why I'm recommending it? I'm saying check it out. No, I get it. Is that okay this time? I think we can probably Mm -hmm. keep that in. We'll talk to the editor. Okay. If nothing nothing else, uh, the first book, Space Cadets is awesome and I've read it. So there you go. Good call. 
Okay. Yeah. Good, good job, Robin. Right. Congrats on your second book. Congrats, Robin. Yeah, that's definitely. Great. I'll I'll go next, and I'm going to recommend um, a city, an entire city. I'm going to oh. recommend the city of Lacombe. That's where we're recording from right now. Um, I think Lacombe is just a nice a nice city, and I've just been really appreciating the the downtown um, vibes and the the local businesses here. So if you live anywhere near Lacombe, or even if you live far away from Lacombe, you should check it out. Come visit our friends uh, at Cilantro and Chive, Blind Man Brewing. And then there's a number of other businesses we've recommended on this podcast. They're all great. So the city of Lacombe, nice, nice job. <laughs> People come place. visit. Our office had some Toller's Donuts in it Ooh. on Friday, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to stay away from that stuff right now, but that was maybe one of the hardest things I've ever done. You did yeah. it in my life, but they looked really good <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Have you ever had one from there? <laughs> yes, they're delicious. Okay. I know how good they are okay. and they look amazing too. I'm going to recommend a podcast. It's called draw together and it's specifically with Wendy Mack. So if you're searching for it, it's called draw together with Wendy Mack and basically it's short episodes doing art. This would go great with last time's recommendation of a lectern 1917 notebook. Uh, so you can just listen and she leads you through a guided practice of drawing and she talks it through and a lot of it's kind of related to mental health and that kind of thing. If you want to check it out, draw together with Wendy Mack. Wow. Nice. Cody. Yeah. Hey everyone. Happy to be here. Uh, so my recommendation is food. Uh, Mm. and it's, it's something you can do right at your house. Yeah. It's very accessible. Uh, you don't have to buy fancy ingredients. But it's, it's amazing. So it's toast. Okay, but, but let me finish. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> toast with butter, wait, mm-hmm. and then peanut butter on top. Mm-hmm. Doubling down on the butters. Yeah. It's, you know, if you have just had peanut butter toast, you are not living till you have the butter layer oh. in between. And I tell you, you'll never go back. Do you think it's mm-hmm. uncommon for people to do that? <laughs> yes. Okay. I had never yeah. done that in my life. Besides my father-in-law, I didn't know anybody else did that. Yeah. It's pretty... Un- I, I think it's... Do you do that, Graham? Well, I think I butter toast no matter what's going on top. I think yeah. that's oh, step really? one every time. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think, so too. I think I it makes know. everything better. So you've than... always been eating butter, peanut butter toast at this point. You know, I can't guarantee it's happened every time, <laughs> oh. um, but I'm pretty sure it has happened and I would wholeheartedly agree with your recommendation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not, I was trying to think of cool names. Yeah. I was like, peanut butter, butter, butter. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. No, I guess it's just regular. It's a good recommendation. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Because if you're listening, you can go ahead and pop some toast in right now. You could do that. Yeah. It's just, it's just so good. If yeah. you were to make a sandwich that wasn't toasted, would you mm-hmm. butter it and then peanut butter it and jam it or honey? Oof. I think it's or the toast. It's, it's that it melts in. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, what about, just uh, checking how crazy of a recommendation yeah. this is. Yeah, I'm not butter and then Nutella. <laughs> Whoa. Say that again. Butter and then Nutella. I have not done that yet. You should try it. Yeah, it's there's like that it's, salty. It's the same idea mm. of, as the butter, what about peanut butter, butter, peanut butter, Nutella. Oh and my gosh! <laughs> and then <laughs> butter again. <laughs> Coconut oil on the top with no. d- uh, sprinkles, which I didn't mm. learn was a thing until I moved oh. out here and met some Dutch folks. Wait, so did you do butter then coconut oil, or is it just coconut oil? Oh, no, is this I, real? I, I thought you were joking. Well, I was joking about the coconut oil, but oh, okay. the sprinkles oh. Oh. was a new thing for me here. Oh Chicago? yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, a Dutch thing. thing. Mm. Mm. Jinx, you owe me a Jinx. something. Buttered, buttered, buttered toast. toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was great, Cody. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you. Uh, let's maybe actually talk about something, uh, you know, a little more important than toast. Sure. Uh, in a moment. But maybe we'll, we'll save the introduction uh, until we're ready for that. Okay. Nice. I'm really excited to invite a good friend of ours to the podcast. Um, we've talked about it for years, Cody, having you on. And this felt right. Yeah, and the yeah. topic felt right. And the timing is right. So I want to welcome Cody, who, um, well, she wears many hats. I do. Um, she was a teacher for many years. Um, she still is a teacher, actually. Yeah. Um, she's now also an intern uh, psychotherapist. Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> which sounds extremely fascinating. And um, <laughs> she does many things. She's also a singer in, in my band, mm-hmm. which is really great, too. The Fallow Years. Yep. 
there's no way to follow us or check us out. Show so no. just the shout out means nothing. There's no way to follow Fallow. But, no. <laughs> but they're really but, great. Uh, we want to give a big harmonious welcome to Cody Kryle. Yeah. yeah. yeah welcome Thanks, here. guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to be here. And Cody, we usually maybe ask our guests just to tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners. Sure. Well, I'm, uh, as Graham said, I'm an intern psychotherapist. So in one month, I finished my, my master's in counseling psychology. It has been quite the journey, uh, but totally worth it and love what I'm learning. And right now I'm doing uh, some research, uh, pretty intense research on religious trauma and uh, the intersection of religious trauma and religious resilience. So how religious is helpful, but also maybe a little bit of a hindrance and mm. uh, harmful too. So that's, uh, you know, raising lots of really fun things. Um, yeah, I'm also still a teacher. I have the privilege of teaching mental health lessons. Uh, so, you know, our school district did something really cool where they hired all these teachers to teach mental health lessons to kids in light of COVID and yeah. recognizing that a lot of our kids were struggling with their mental health. Nope. Um, so love that response. And and yeah, our kids are really hurting, hurting and uh, a lot of sadness. So it's been really cool to, to teach them about all that. Uh, yeah, I'm a musician. And uh, do that as well, wear that hat also. And, um, you know, part-time at a lot of things. Yeah. I like to longboard, but I haven't done it in a while. Right? It's hard in this country. Yeah, not a yeah. winter sport. It's tough. I now live on gravel, so it's... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I tried, but... Yeah. Is there a shop? There is not. Hmm. Are there fat tires like you can get for bikes on longboards? Yeah. Oh, oh, really? That yeah. I could longboard on gravel? Yeah. <laughs> you could try. <laughs> yeah, I still try. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's, that's me. Yeah. So Cody, I think we were talking, um, recently and this idea of religious trauma. Um, and we also talked about purity culture Yes. relating to that. And that got us interested as a topic because it's a topic that, um, I think interests all of us. Um, but we felt woefully inequipped to discuss <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, so that's partly why we think it'd be, yeah, a good topic for discussion tonight. Yeah. So where do you guys want to start? Well, how about just your 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 interest? I mean, what drew you to this line of research from mm-hmm. your own past or your own story? Absolutely. So, uh, although my name is Cody, I, you know, I am a female. Um, you'd be surprised how many people mistake that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a woman in in the Christian church, uh, evangelical church, uh, my experience in in the church, you know, and especially in the time of period, time, you know, the, the the time period I was born in. We're talking the late nineties, early two thousands. I was a youth or an adolescent. So there was a uh, the purity culture movement was very strong, mm-hmm. and so that really affected my development, uh, especially my sexual development, and felt like, you know, it, it not just me, but there was a huge population of people and boys included. I don't want to say mm-hmm. that this is just the impact on women. And that's why I'd love to talk to you guys as well. Uh, but what led me to the, the research was, yes, my, my own experience with purity culture and how that affected me, but also noticing a huge population of people and clients who are really struggling with some traumas they've experienced inside the church uh, around purity culture and beyond, and want, wondering if they can still believe in, in God, uh, you know, and, and, and still have their faith, but also step away from some of this doctrine that's really harmful. And, uh, you know, if they wish to retain their faith, there's some complications there, but you know, the, the like chance that they're leaving, you know, the potential that they leave their communities and their faith communities is also a type of trauma, a little T trauma, right? We have big T trauma, little T trauma. Um, it's a trauma in itself that you might be alone and ostracized. And so that's also, um, a little bit where I've been too is, is wondering if I can maintain my church communities and or stay in, in those communities and uh, facing all, all that comes with it. Cody, could you give us a just a real quick definition of purity culture? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So is there a quick definition? I don't know. <laughs> I'll try. Um, so essentially the purity culture movement happened, like I said, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was essentially a commitment to abstinence before marriage, uh, but it also involved uh, women dressing modestly and the the sexual purity of your thoughts. So, um, you know, no lusting, no sexual desire, that sort of thing. Um, and it was a huge deal. We in the states, it kind of started there. It was one of these movements that moved into pop culture as well. It wasn't just in the church. It kind of like moved into the the more secular world. Uh, you know, there was millions of youth, uh, you know, by the late nineties, millions of youth who were taking like public pledges. Um, it was called true love waits to, you know, maintain their purity. And some of it was even televised. 
Um, so it was a huge, wow. there was books, I kissed dating goodbye. Maybe you read some of these, <laughs> um, you know, true love waits was also a book. And also there was the bride wore white. And that was the one that I was told to read. Hmm. So yes. this is like <clears throat> an organized um, movement or is it like a bunch of kind of similar ideas happening at the same time in North America or there's like a head of this and they're pushing it through certain denominations or kind of what did that look like? Yeah, it seemed to be really specific to the evangelical church um, and some other churches that kind of adopted it. But the idea of purity goes way back, sure, right? Like the movement itself was in this particular time, but the first like, ideas of purity uh, and like sexual purity more specifically, right? Cause like purity goes back farther than that, uh, outside of the sexual context, right? Our culture actually has quite an obsession with purity going back quite some ways, but the first like purity movement I could see related to sex was actually to abolish prostitution. And I think that was way back in the, in the 1800s already. And I think that's, that's also where the idea of purity kind of became more sexual as opposed to just like being pure in general. Hmm. Yeah. And, and you're saying like the late, mid, late nineties is it picked up. Oh yeah. It, and and was that just culturally just the right time for it? Like, you know, do you know why that maybe occurred then? You know, I, I don't really know the answer to that. Yeah. Why it suddenly became a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it does kind of line up with the way evangelical churches were at the time. A mm-hmm. lot of like altar calls. Yeah. And, and promise keepers was and a huge keeper. thing for guys at that time. Yeah. So it just kind of it, it aligned with the way evangelical culture was at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look at it from that lens, it makes sense that something like that would emerge. Yeah. So these public sort of declarations that they would have people do, that must continue on now. Like that, that movement's not gone. It's not gone. I, I, think, I think it has less intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so can I share some personal stories? Would that be all right? I think that's allowed in the podcast. Well, okay. You do whatever okay. you're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, so I went to a, a youth group and like, you know, I, I want to, the caveat here is that like a lot of people had a good experience. A, mm-hmm. a lot of people had a good experience from, from purity culture and are thankful for it. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be like, well, cause of that, I didn't have a baby in my, as a teenager. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, <laughs> um, you do you. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, um, I remember being at youth group and my youth leader and we loved youth group. It was so much fun and, and they didn't mean any harm by it, but my youth leader brought out a styrofoam cup and passed it around, got the boys to, to take the styrofoam cup and all the boys had to like poke a hole in it or tear it. Right. And it would just be passed to the boys. If it was like, if we were sitting by a boy, it'd be passed over us. Right. And by the time it went all the way around the circle, the youth leader, youth leader said, okay, come pour water in this. Right. And you got one of us to stand up and try to pour water in the cup. Of course it was useless. Right. And the, the cup, he's like, well, the cup, can't be useful for what it's used for anymore. It's also a piece of garbage. Right. And, um, so us, us girls are sitting there and he's saying, this is what happens if you engage in sexual impurity, right? If you, if you are sexually impure, it's like you're being used. And, and once you're used and used over again, you know, you won't be desirable anymore. Right. And to the boys, he said, could you imagine doing this to a girl? right? You don't want to be part of this. You don't want to make a girl damaged. And so the message was to both of us, right? But I'll never forget the way yeah, that only one of you is the cup. <laughs> only one of oh, us yeah. is the cup. Yeah. And I'll never forget how that made me feel um, like that, that mm. I, that any engagement with boys and we're not talking like s- sex. Like it was like, if you think about boys this way, or if you're sexually, we didn't know. Okay. So here, the thing is that, that, that like, we didn't talk a lot about sex. <laughs> sex yeah. education wasn't great. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a Christian school. I was in, a, in the church, right? So like when they said sexually, sexual impurity, we didn't know what that meant exactly. Right. Yeah. Do you think they knew? I Maybe. I'm not sure if they did, but no one was really clear about what it was. And so I remember having, a, like, you know, any sort of attraction uh, to a person and thinking, oh my gosh, yeah. there's a hole in my cup, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to be wanted. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, like you said, that's kind of why I'm in this research. And that's just one story of several, Yeah. you know, being told I had to change because my shirt was too tight. I was making good boys stumble, you know, those sort of things. That reminds me, there's like a, a tape, the, the sticky tape. 
Dang yeah. it. That's, that's almost the, the same idea, it. right? Yeah. yeah. What's that one? Were they? I, it's like a piece of like book binding tape or something. And you put it on your arm. Yeah. And you take it off and the next person does it. And by the end, it doesn't stick anymore. Yeah. Or something. Like you've lost your stickiness. Yeah. <laughs> you've lost your stickiness. Apart. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's kind of horrifying to hear that story. I, did you, do you remember being in that situation thinking like, this is, were you, were you buying in? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally bought in. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. and I thought it was such a good illustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this actually has emerged in my research is that the, one of the more interesting things is how, yes, women were illustrated to be the styrofoam cup. I see uh, in my research, I've seen several demonstrations like this, like the sticky tape, mm-hmm. but um, because we all bought in, women were also holding each other accountable. Right. So instead of someone saying, mm, this feels damaging, we were like, Hey, I think your shirt's too tight. What if a boy like stumbles? We don't want to make good Christian boys stumble. And so in the, it's popped up in the research too, that like there was a part of the movement was women also perpetuating it and holding right. each other accountable to continue being part of the community and up, you know, upholding the teachings, um, which is, which is interesting, right? Not usually, we don't usually see women also participating in the, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. I don't want to say the oppression of women per se, but. That's a strong word, but like, I don't know if this has an obvious answer, but like, what's the motivation for that kind of a presentation? Like the, there's just practical or reasonable reasons not to have free for all sex when you're really young. There is. Yeah. Right. But like, is that the motivation of that presentation or is there like, what's like, we're shaming you into the kingdom. Is that like mm, the like where that come from? Because like, <laughs> shaming me into the kingdom. <laughs> yeah, I've been saved by the shame. <laughs> like, why did the church take that on as such a? Because that doesn't need to happen at church. Like, that's just like there's practical lessons you can learn about life. So, what's the motivation of the church to do a presentation like that? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, so some of the stuff I've come across, it, one of the the interesting ones was biblical literalism. So this is the, we take the Bible and the Bible, everything in the Bible is like the literal, we're going to take the literal interpretation of this, mm-hmm. right? So sexual teachings in the Bible, I mean, can you think of many that are positive? Outside of like the first chapter of Genesis, not really. Yeah. No. Um, so the way that, Sex. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon is a positive one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't hear a lot of that. In, no, I've never heard a sermon about it or. Yeah. Right. We're, we're really, av- the church tends it's to avoid cut sex. out of my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Just ripped right out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So biblical literalism was one of them. And uh, we also have that alongside the obsession with purity because, um, you know, we have verses like think about whatever is pure, whatever is yeah. noble, whatever is right. And the Bible speaks very clearly about sexual impurity, but again, isn't extremely clear about that, right? Um, and of course, there's lots of arguments uh, from all sides of, of Christianity about what should be interpreted what way or not. But, you know, if we're taking the Bible with its literal words, um, there's a lot of motivation there to uphold what the Bible says yeah, to make sure that you, the, it you, is the infallible world. Right. You've talked about purity mm-hmm. in other contexts, but is there something about sex particularly that shame attaches to differently than other things like that makes that topic so tough for people later yeah well i mean that's that's not just true in christianity right because think about even in our even in common culture uh in north america i say north america because other cultures might not necessarily struggle with this i want to be culturally sensitive but a lot of women in north america struggle with their bodies right? Struggle with looking a certain way. And a lot of it is all driven by, am I sexually desirable? Mm -hmm. Right? So I think sex is such a big deal because it is, it is something that is biologically natural that we are wired for. That is part of being a human that we're, that we attach a lot of taboo to, Mm -hmm. even though it's like an underlying part of our identity, it's an underlying driver. It's for some reason we've attached you know, we've, we've thought of it as like something negative or something that's going to lead us to sin, right? 
anything sexual is a slippery slope Yeah. to, to, and I, I do think that is, you know, connecting back to the biblical literalism. I'm talking about sex in the Bible. Cody, I'm, um, I have three brothers. I have no daughters. And I wonder if there's kind of a double standard in terms of how girls are talked to, young ladies are talked to about these kinds of things, as opposed to young men. I have no experience. So. Yeah. Well, I, I'm actually really curious about your guys' experience. Uh, if you could speak a little bit to what you were taught in, you know, this realm, um, if you were taught anything at all, maybe it wasn't even a conversation you had. I I remember the styrofoam cup thing happening. It but for me like I didn't I wouldn't have remembered it until you talked about it. Mm. You know, like it's one of those things that youth group things that happens and to me it didn't make an impact, but I totally get how it would make an impact. And I yeah, and I definitely see the double standard in it, but yeah, I would say purity culture I grew up, Cody, you and I are like the same age. So we, I yeah. think a lot of our youth group and grew up in similar part of the world and went to similar churches. Like our mm-hmm. youth group experiences would have been pretty similar. Yeah. I remember there being a lot of fear of what would happen if you slipped up. Like mm-hmm. it was just, but in the moment I didn't think it was wrong. It was just like, that's just the way it is to be a Christian, I guess, is mm-hmm. to be afraid of sex. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's, that's my experience with it growing up was like this. I didn't at the time think this is a, there's a lot of talk about this or obsession with this. Mm-hmm. But now looking back, I can see that. So I, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't say I, I suffered a lot from it, but um, looking back at it, I can see the, the harm it, potentially causes on people. Mm-hmm. So that's my, I, yeah, my I think I've it. said things like I only have brothers and I don't have daughters, not to say like, I don't know anything about women or girls because <laughs> I know lots and I've taught hundreds. And, um, but part, I think the reason I bring that up is I don't feel like I've experienced that side of the purity culture, mm-hmm. um, examples. Mm-hmm. And my parents, when in raising us, really wanted to impress upon us how important it was in how to treat women and how to be, you know, at at some day you'll be a husband. So be a good, like it never felt shameful or like a lot of pressure. Yeah. And we didn't talk about sex much at all as, as kids. So yeah, I just don't have those experiences. Even just the, you saying that reminded me of something, Chris, like I I would agree. Like my family, it wasn't something we talked about a lot, but there'd just be these little comments or assumptions that like when you are married and when you have kids yeah right? mm-hmm. like, if that sure. wasn't yes what happened then you have somehow failed failed yeah 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 and like you failed or like just that's what it people, wasn't that's no what christians that word, do they get married kinda, and have kids yeah mm-hmm. right so if you didn't you weren't fitting the mold or you weren't yeah so yeah i i definitely remember feeling that way yeah you both raised some really interesting points like the involvement of the church in our sexual lives and development right uh is is that a place where the church belongs you know or is your sexual development personal you know or is it meant between families right so you know instead of my parents talking to me about church uh i was being taught about sex you know kind of vaguely by a community of people who are very involved in my sexual activity right and you know if we um, messed up. We were very accountable to each other. We told each other details, you know, and would it, with all with sincere fear, uh, and and like really like, can you pray for me? I messed up, right? Um, this isn't my story, but uh, it, it was in the research. Uh, there was a, a woman who was um, pregnant. Uh, she got pregnant as a teenager, and she was forced to apologize to the church on stage. And, um, you know, talking about the double standard, I, I, I never ever came, I didn't come across any stories of a, of a man who had sex accidentally and was forced to apologize 
to the entire church. Um, so yeah, there was like a, a huge emphasis on the purity of women mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, even though men were also, like you said, like there was, you might not have talked about it, but there was this like expectation that you would treat a woman right. Um, yeah. Well, part of your story earlier too, I wanted to, before I forget, in the cup example, you mentioned that you don't want to dress a certain way because you don't want to tempt the guys or you don't want to like cause them to stumble. Like it's on you. If so, if, so if the, the implication is if, if a guy does something to or with you, it's kind of on you. 100%. You welcome that. Yeah. Uh, And also furthers the teaching that men are animals who can't control themselves. Yeah. And that, excuse me, you should be afraid of them, right? Right. Yeah. You should be afraid of all men. And if they do something, you invited it with your clothing or the way you were acting. And not only that, but like, like you said, girls and women are at each other for that almost. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you come across that a lot in your, in your work? Yeah. Uh, With clients? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, particularly like the the potential of being ostracized. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, like, you know, clients who had, had a baby out of wedlock who lost connection with a bunch of family members, grandparents, parents who Mm -hmm. uh, like, like parents would stay connected, but be like, they'd be frowned upon. Right. They were really judged uh, by their church communities. Uh, lots of them left the church. They couldn't handle how, how they were treated. That, that story reminds me a lot about, um, I think I recommended a book once by Eric Larson. Hmm. I forget what it was called, but it was about sexual assault at a university in the States. And just so often it came down to, you know, uh, the way the woman was dressed or going to a party and drinking. And, and it's almost like the conversation begins there often in the court cases often, or public opinion. It sounds very similar to this to me. Yeah. And like, like I was saying like this, this, uh, I mean, we are a nation, uh, the state, both the States and Canada are built on Christian, Christian principles. Right. We're nations that have Christianity kind of woven all throughout. Um, so it doesn't, you don't have to be in the church to experience, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. effects of purity culture. Mm-hmm. So what this makes me think about is like when the church became obsessed with, with sex, mm-hmm. like making someone stand in front of the church and apologize for a, a sex related sin. Mm-hmm. When you, I haven't heard, I mean, I've heard similar stories of people having to, ask for forgiveness, repent mm-hmm. for sins. And, and yeah. quite often it's sins like this, like, uh, like sex before marriage or yeah. those kinds of things, but not greed, not dishonesty. Like, the, like why is there this obsession with sex? Mm-hmm. Um, and earlier on you mentioned like taking the Bible literally, but didn't Jesus like literally stand beside like prostitutes and, yeah. um, and women who, or, and men who like committed adultery, like he, he loved yes. those people. Yeah. So then when, when did, and maybe Cody, I'm asking like, I'm asking you the question, do you know mm-hmm. anything about when the North American church kind of shifted and started, obs- and I'm using the word obsessing, maybe that's not mm-hmm. the right word, but kind of blowing it up, making this such a big deal. Like when did that happen? Putting the spotlight on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes back a long ways, right? Because the, te- the these types of teaching teachings were, uh, and now we're getting to a discussion of power, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, so long as there was purity teachings, particularly around w- female purity, and this isn't just in Christianity, right? We have, uh, you know, uh, the concept of of maintaining virginity and other religions as well. Um, so I can only um, now I can't, I haven't come across exact research on this, except for the story of the woman trying to abolish prostitution, which really spurred a movement in, in the purity. Um, but just looking at other religions and how old other religions are and how long they've really valued a woman's innocence and a woman's innocence, you know, at some point the word purity became synonymous with innocence. And so, uh, you know, women being innocent, you know, we, we talk about like, um, the first night of the marriage, right. And there has to be blood on the bed cause the hymen broke and those sort of things. Like we really have placed a lot of value on virginity for a very long time across other religions and cultures. So I can only assume it's been around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I wonder the nineties seemed like a long time ago, like kind of a crazy yeah. time. You think about like the eighties and the war on drugs and Ronald Reagan. I feel like a lot of that maybe goes back like that movement anyways, but 
particular started in the eighties, maybe with, yeah, I feel like it's, it feels, it feels kind of fake to me. Like it feels like a fake thing to be upset about, mm-hmm. I guess is what I was trying to get at. Like it feels like manufactured for some other reason, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like and feigned I feigned outrage. I come back to, to, to power. Like, mm-hmm. you know, part of, part of the, the purity culture movement was the involvement of fathers. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I received a, a purity ring when I was 16 you know, I play, you know, my father placed it on my finger or I you know, had it on my hand and it was only to be removed by my father at my wedding day. Right. Like these, this was part of my upbringing and, you know, the involvement of my father in, in my purity and even in my sister's purity was a big deal in my family. And this tradition is, is part of it. Like going to ask a father for a woman's hand in marriage, right. These traditions do leak out of, of Christianity. It's not just here. Um, but like the power and even God as a man, right? The idea of God being a man. And so, you know, if we're, if we're ruined, like the styrofoam cup, we're not just disappointing boys and no longer being desirable, desirable, you know, sexually or otherwise to boys. We're disappointing God who is the ultimate man. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, you know, so long as men have been in power, I think that's been, that's existed. So one aspect of purity culture that I'd like to bring up is the, well, marriage. Mm. And, uh, marriage. <laughs> yeah. marriage. Um, basically, there is this, or to get a lot of young Christian people, I think, got married to avoid the shame of having, like they had sex, so they felt like they had to get married. Yeah. Or... They really, really wanted to have sex. So they got married. So they got married. Yeah. And then they could do that without the shame. Like, mm-hmm. so they legitimized their relationship or they got married right. to do. Yeah. Okay. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, and me or another scenario that I'm, yeah, like that existed would be like, or exists would be do everything but like vaginal intercourse. Yes. So that you wouldn't have you didn't actually do it yes until you got married so like marriage kind of got obscured yeah. or mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know i guess exactly where to go with that but the impact it had on marriages mm-hmm. um, this purity culture movement yeah and there's a lot to unpack in that um one thing i can speak to a little bit that i came across and you mentioned earlier tyler like we were taught to be afraid of sex mm-hmm. right um so you know, the fear, uh, the fear of sex is real. That's part of the, <clears throat> the trauma I've come across is this like intense fear of sex. And what's interesting is that like we in, in our Christian culture is like, it's like, you're married now, you know, you're married yeah. now. So go ahead. Woo. Have fun. And you know, when you've spent X amount of years terrified that you're going to hell or worse or being shamed in front of your church or whatever that meant for you to suddenly be a sexual expert or to suddenly enjoy it is ridiculous. We prefer the term sexpert. Sexpert. <laughs> yes, on this show. You're now a sexpert, <laughs> right? Uh, what I came across in the, in the research is that, you know, women often became the sexual gatekeepers because they were already, you know, responsible for dressing a certain way to prevent right. being raped or attacked. Uh, you know, uh, women were already becoming sexual sexual gatekeepers before marriage because they were the ones always saying no. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so now in the marriage, now that they're married, they're supposed to be, uh, they're supposed to keep a husband happy by being sexually pleasing. Well, they don't have a clue how to be sexually pleasing because they're terrified of sex and never talked about it or learned anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so there is a lot of research I'm coming across where women are experiencing pain in sex, you know, and it's associated to, associated with the emotional uh, experience, you know, the fear and the guilt and the shame that's still, still permeating even years into a marriage and it's affecting their relationships beyond. You said something earlier that I just wanted to kind of circle back to. And that was just about who should be teaching. Like, should it be the church? Should it be, Mm -hmm. um, I think it should be families, but I, you know, I, knowing what I know about the public school, school system, it's so important that there's sex education in schools because often families aren't talking about these things. Yeah. But in what context, I guess, do you think those conversations could happen in a healthy way? You know, I think we, 
I have I have friends who grew up with like moms that were nurses or doctors, and I feel like they always got a proper sex yeah, education yeah. because the they kids. yeah yeah the right because it was like this you're a human this is biology you have a yeah yeah you have a this you have a this this is what the parts do here's how babies are made Ta-da! right and it was so matter of fact I really appreciate that when I hear the stories of my friends who grew up with parents in that medical field they didn't attach any shame to it. There wasn't, and even in like the ways I think about like, like parents, Christian parents talking to their kids, the way they already start to talk about it sounds shameful. Oftentimes, like the way that they're like and awkward about it and weird about it. Like mm-hmm. kids are reading that like, what's up with you? Why are you being weird about this? And I know it might be weird mm-hmm. to talk to your kids about sex, but if you can be like very matter of fact about it and not attach all the shame, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think those conversations could happen in a really healthy way. So Tyler mentioned earlier, um, you know, people, young people maybe getting married as a way to legitimize sex or make yeah. it okay. Um, maybe young, maybe before they even know what that means. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was, do you think that was like a, it seems like an unintended like consequence to those kinds of teachings, but do you think that maybe some in churches thought that was a good thing? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, get married, do it. Like, get yeah. married young. Well, because marriage was the ultimate goal. Right. Uh, you know, churches celebrated young marriage. Um, you know, um, I can think in my own lineage and in communities, people got married really young. All my friends were married really young, you know, and, you know, for me to be in my thirties and single is like, what? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, it's almost like what's, what's wrong with, you know, with you. Um, so yeah, I think they were celebrating because marriage meant children, and right, like, like having kids was a, a, a woman's ultimate, like fulfillment of her duty was that you, you were sexually pleasing. Good job. You got married. Good job. You had a child and now you have, you know, um, and I'm not frowning on this. I think having children is beautiful and being a mother is the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> you know, it's a hard job and it's deserves credit, but it is not the only thing women are good for. Well, that's another thing that reminds me of just the difference between what, what boys and girls learn in, in church. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think many young men are told like your ultimate purpose is to, is to be a father. Like it's probably what's partly was talked about, but I don't think mm. it comes at that same level of your provider, your, you, you know. clearly missed the promise keepers movement. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. I, mm. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's not that there wasn't permission to be career oriented, but it's like, but that should not take priority over your children. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and whether that was, was directly said, uh, Mm -hmm. or not, it was kind of all veiled in the purity portion, right. Of being, uh, because men were taught to be providers and be career oriented, women were submissive. This was the way it worked, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and men were to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And this was the example that was given. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that doesn't work for a lot of families. I think it does. But what does that mean for the women who don't fit? that, that mold, you know, constantly pressing against the, uh, pressing against the edges of that all the time. Well, this has been a really great talk, but a little bit, um, a little bit negative in terms of just dealing with the realities and uh, the scarring and the shame. And we could talk all night. Um, we really could <laughs> about those things. We, about those things. we really could. About those we things. really could. Let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> but Cody, part of your work too, like I, I want to talk about maybe healing, yeah, and yeah. coming back from just some of these issues, some of the shame. Um, mm-hmm. What, are, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, and and how do you view that? Absolutely. Um, so the great thing about my research is it's not just all looking at the damage of purity culture, damage of just trauma. It's also looking at the intersection of resilience. Uh, and, you know, positive or protective factors of religion, which there are many, but in particular with purity culture um, and working with, cause, cause I'm doing this research for therapists and for myself. So I'm working, I can work with these clients and actually help them heal, help them change. And so when it talk, when we're talking about counseling, counseling competencies, um, the hugest thing I've come across is embodiment. This is a reconnection with our body because a lot of, of our faith tradition is uh, a lot about the body being evil. The body leads you to sin and not just sexually, you know, uh, but this like 
idea that your body is the flesh. We, you know, we talk about the flesh leading you astray and those sort of things. And a lot of our faith traditions are very cognitive. You know, we, we think through our problems, we pray away our things. We're spending a lot of our time in the spiritual realm, but really out of our bodies. And so a lot of the healing is this reconnection with body, sinking back in the body, um, referring to your body as a, a she or a he, or noticing that it exists, that you experience all of life as a body, right? That all the isms, sexism, racism, all those things are connected to a body, right? Um, and I can't take credit for that. That's the work of Dr. Hillary McBride. Uh, look her up. She's my celebrity crush forever. Um <laughs> Her book, The Wisdom of Your Body, is really profound on this subject. But um, the reconnection uh, to your body and noticing that that God is in your body, um, that I can experience the world and have desires, and they can be holy and good. Um, and so, you know, if we if we can come back to our body, and we have teachings in the Bible like your body is a temple. Uh, so I'm not, you know, not every teaching in the Bible is is bad about the body, but even the idea that the body is a temple. Is problematic because we are so focused on restricting uh, what came into our body or what went out of it or whatever, right? In terms of eating and and beyond. So just like that, a lot of the healing is just a connection with the body and seeing that the body is good to breathe, to notice, and we talk about making like wise choices with how it feels in your body. Oftentimes we have an emotion or a feeling. And it's in the body first. We feel flutters in our stomach. We feel tightness in our chest, right? And we spend a lot of time ignoring those things altogether. And if you can sink into your body, you'll find a lot of knowing there. And uh, a lot of my clients are saying like, I feel God. I hear God differently now when I'm in my body because your body is giving you signals oftentimes that you should or shouldn't do something. Yeah. So that's, that's a huge part of it. I really like that. Um, expression you mentioned like that God is is in our bodies I've uh, I really like the idea that Christ is in is in everything like that's kind of my something that I say to my students quite a bit or I, I just reflect on on often and I like that it and it's like purity culture is not does not equate to Christianity no it does not right and nope. like I thought and I was kind of one, I was wondering if that's where this conversation was going to go initially, if mm-hmm. it was going to be like Christianity has, is purity culture, therefore mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. leave God and, and Christ and like it's, and I, I, yeah, so I appreciate that, what you were just saying there. It was well, awesome. I even come back to the example that Jesus gave us when he broke bread and said, this is my body, mm-hmm. Right. We actually really uh, emphasize Christ's body. We think of Christ, Christ's body on the cross, right? Jesus, Jesus was embodied. He was very aware of his body. Uh, you know, we read verses that says he even sweat uh, drops of blood, whether that's literal or not. Mm-hmm. We have references to the body of Christ, you know? And so going by that example, our bodies are good. Our bodies serve a purpose um, and can, can give us a lot of wisdom that we're ignoring. Mm-hmm. I think that shame piece too is just so, um, you know, anti-Christ, you know, anytime mm-hmm. shame is used as a motivator to do anything is that's typically, I just don't think that's from God. Mm-hmm. Um, or, um, yeah, it's, it's not something the way that I want to be or, um, a trait I want to embody that, um, so I'm going to be more conscious of that. If I, if there are ways that I think I, I, you know, people have done that to me or that I've done that in the past, that's yeah. something I need to reflect on. And even an awareness of how you're thinking of your body at any given moment, we spend a lot of time hating our bodies, you know, oh, my body couldn't run as fast as I, it used to. My body feels bloated. Uh, my body is fatter during COVID. My body, like we spend a lot of time being really uh, negative to our bodies um, and that, that puts more and more distance between your experience of your body and your, and, you know, spending time in your head and your cognition. Uh, if you're hating your body, you're not wanting to spend time there. Right. But if you can sink into mm-hmm. your body and really love it as it is. Well, and distance from, you said, and hating or distance from God then too. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That oneness, um, you know, that, and, and I, 
I know you guys have talked about Richard Rohr before, Mm -hmm. but the teachings of Richard Rohr that like there is Christ is this oneness, the, the universal Christ. And so what does it mean to experience Christ in my body? Can it be good? Well, Cody, um, we want to thank you for joining us again. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation. And would you come back sometime? I'd love to. This was a blast, you guys. Yeah. Thank you. That'd be really great. There is one se- segment we'd like you to stick around for, though, if oh, you're okay with that. Please. I wonder what it's going to be. So my confession is quick and easy. And actually, I had a different confession before today, but I have a new one that involves um, Tyler. Tyler. I shouldn't say oh. his last name. Give it away. Tyler, um, <laughs> earlier today, <laughs> we were at a dinner club hangout with some friends and we were talking about Wordle. And um, Tyler mentioned Wordle. that he, if you know Wordle, it's everyone does it at this point, whatever. I'm not cool for getting involved in it, but Tyler solved his Wordle in two guesses. And mm-hmm. we hadn't done it yet. There's so he's a good guesser. He's really, yeah, that's amazing, by the way. Impressive. That's not the confession. Skill. It's all mm-hmm. skill. But then I said, okay, well, I'm going to try two. And then, so we were all, a few of us were trying. And, and then I got it in three guesses. And mm-hmm. so I showed Tyler after and explained to him how I got it. <laughs> and that's true. That's not my confession. But my confession is that I someone earlier, one of the other guys mentioned a word with an A at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I just, and I knew there'd be an A at the beginning based on that. And I didn't tell you that. So I oh. guessed a word with A at the beginning. And it really so you narrowed like, my choices. Narrow, okay. So as soon as I showed you my three guesses, Ty, I was like, oh man, I, I, that was kind of dishonest because I kind of had a bit of a helping hand with that. So sorry, Ty. Okay. So how many do you think you would have got it in without that extra piece well, of... The word was aloft. Mm. And if I didn't guess the A first, it, it, I, who knows? I mean... Right. Aloft, right? yeah, that could be a lot of things. I, would, I wouldn't normally guess a word with A first. Anyway, yeah. if you don't know what Wordle is, this means nothing to you. Um, <laughs> I think the whole night. world knows what Wordle is okay. right now. Yeah, it'd okay. be hard yeah. not to know what that is. Or yes. at least piece it together. Well, sure. this episode yeah. doesn't come out for a few weeks and it might be all gone. By <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a good point. It's, it's like bottle flipping. It's there's like a, Quiz HQ. Remember there's that? a paywall oh, yeah, on like that. New we York Times now and you don't even want to play it. But anyways, I appreciate the... Yeah, the that's honest. The yeah. Yeah, I, just, just the honesty. I immediately felt like, ah, that wasn't super. You honest, made yourself so. look better by not yeah. being completely yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. That's Good. a very common thing. I think Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we all do it. Now I feel kind of bad about my confession, but uh, <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> You're supposed <laughs> yeah, to feel I bad. <laughs> Extra bad. Um, my confession is that there's a something that happened during this recording of this podcast that I wish would be heard by all of our listeners, but probably won't be. Mm. Um, we talked, Graham actually <laughs> had said something and maybe he's with his, if he's feeling gracious, he could edit this in. He said, um, like over my voice, he could record him actually saying it right now. Yeah. But if he doesn't, I'll say it. He said that Cody, you were talking about the kind of a double standard of, Yes, um, yes. Purity culture and, and yes. talking about the, the paper cup and styrofoam how that cup, would, yes. the styrofoam cup and yes. how that would be so harmful for girls and, and us as guys, we didn't have to have our paper cup or we didn't have to poke holes in our own cup. Or we were pa- poking holes, holes but, in well, our own cup. Well, that was the thing. Yeah. He said we, we didn't have to do that. So, right. But then we started giggling and laughing and it was like we laughed really hard about it. But I cried. Grant, yeah. we stopped recording yeah. because... That's Graham. That, that's what we, as young Christian men, that's what we were all doing. We were all yes. poking holes in, in our, our own cup. In and your that, own like, cups. It was just such a great yeah. thing that you had said. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't know that you had set us up for that. No, that tangent. I meant to said that the the girls were poking the holes in the boys' cups, but like vice versa from the other. Period. Right. But yeah. I said poking holes yeah. in our own, and I deleted it, so it's not going to be. Oh, uh, oh that's but too my, bad. My confession is that I just there, like I wish <laughs> that the world could hear. <laughs> Some of these moments that oh. don't make it out there, and that's one of them. I'm glad yeah. you said that. I was, thought you were going to confess about poking holes in your cups. So. <laughs> Inadvertently, well, he yeah. did. I suppose he did. I suppose he did. Huh. Yeah, I'm a psychotherapist, so uh, yeah, that's okay. a problem. Uh, well, I've confessed. I think about the things I cry to. Like, uh, you know, there's a long track record of that. Mm. But um, 
here's a confession that I do cry at Olympic commercials and Shanna, <laughs> I'm going back in my, they're very emotional. <laughs> they are not like when you watch highlights of like ski jumping, but, um, Shanna texted me like yesterday, she was watching TV and she sent me a text that says pretty much guaranteeing. If you watch the Sobeys Olympics commercial, you will cry. <laughs> and I haven't seen it yet. Oh boy. But do you think I'll cry? Ty? Yeah, I saw it this morning. And is it's a good one? I think you will. Okay. Chris, I mean, we, I didn't, but I think you will. Should we record, it? We should record the <laughs> podcast right now if you're watching it That'd live? That'd be kind of fun. Oh, Just like yes. a bonus <laughs> thing for after the credits. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. So sniffles. I love Olympics commercials. I The last one that really got to me was the sled jockey one from a couple of years ago of, I think it was a... The father Canadian like, Tire one or something? Mm. But it's like a father like goes out and makes a rink for his Yeah, kid. it's really yeah. beautiful. And then it's oh what's funny is like I'm tearing up and then it'll be like Canadian tire. Get your, <laughs> get your ski racks here. Like, oh, no, <laughs> kind of ruins the mood. But I think it's cool uh, that that touches you in a way. You know, like, yeah. yeah, Olympics are really emotional for me. Do you remember after the Vancouver Olympics, they put a video essay out? I'd cry. If it's Stephen Brunt, instant it was, it was tears. The, it was Stephen Brunt. Yeah. And it was oh, right, yeah. It you was could just talk about Brent it and I put it well up. Hey, Rosetta. And I, I remember tearing up over that for sure. Was that the yeah. year of I believe? That's the same year. Yeah. yeah that even yeah. that song, great song. I know. Yeah. yeah. That I, I teared up in that Olympics yeah. too. Olympics are about what's possible with the human spirit. I just yeah. think they're so great. And, the uni- and they never live up to them, but you know, <laughs> the uniting of nations. Yeah. It's oh, so that's, good. Yeah. Anything is possible with Coca-Cola. Mm. Okay, Cody. <laughs> <how are you>? <laughs> <laughs> Let me compose myself here. Um, okay. So I, th- I think my confession, oof, it's a tough one. It's tough to say. I, uh, I've been doing something for several years. I don't even remember when I started this. Um, so as, as many of you may, might know, or maybe you don't, I, I've worked with each of these men. Uh, you know, we were all teachers together at one point. And uh, something I would do to, to all the staff on purpose and still do to many of my friends and actually literally any person <laughs> in my life is I, I sing songs in their proximity and try to get them in their heads on purpose and uh what yeah it's, i call it mind gaming it's my own personal thing and uh you know i try to see if there's a specific song that gets into a person's head every time mm-hmm. uh you know and and i have nailed down some specific people this one's a shout out hmm. to bar bartell i could bar bartell i could literally sing <laughs> i could sing like a melody a melody that that didn't even exist just like be like, and she'd be like, now what is that? You know? And I think, I think before I left the school, I did tell her that I was doing this to her for years, but in all honesty, I've been doing it to everybody. I have not got you guys pegged yet. Graham is fairly easy to mind game with anything. What's that? A person will have a specific song. Yeah. I've noticed that there's specific songs that get people more than others. Okay. Uh, you know, um, for example, um, Heidi, you know, you guys know Heidi, uh, if I sing, wake me up before you go, go that, that worked for a long time. It would get in her head every time. Uh, and then these people are perplexed as to like why this song keeps getting oh, that's funny. in their head. Yeah. And it's usually me. Now I have to make sure I'm in their proximity. Like I can't just like directly sing the song. Sure. I just like have to be it's like by them and be like, wake me up. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's all it takes. It's just like, that's it. Because you don't want them to know that you were the one who planted that. I don't want them to know it's it's me that planted it. It's kind of inception-ish. You know, and I've been doing it. I I don't remember when it started. So have you done, like, do we have songs that we don't know about? I haven't. uh, Honestly, I haven't done this to Tyler. Because often our, our paths were like kind of not crossing a lot. Yeah. Um, I've done it by you. Didn't stick. The thing is that the person uh. has to sing out loud for you to know it's stuck. Yeah. Or they have to say I something out loud like all the time. Maybe not around you because you're a good singer and I'm self-conscious. Well, or they have to say it? something like I have a weird song in my head. <laughs> then I'll know. Right. But Graham, I, I, you know, Graham and I are in a band together. So I know he gets songs in his head all the time and he just sings things or he'll literally say I have a song in my head. You can get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, I haven't, I don't have a specific song for you because almost every song sticks to mm-hmm. you. So I love this story, Cody, real quick. I do the exact same game Ooh. with only one person. Oh, and that's my too. mom. Ah, so funny. <laughs> when she's with us, my wife and I will literally do exactly what you're describing. Mm-hmm. We'll, huh. we'll be out of the room and I'll just start singing anything. Yep. And the game is like, how long will it take for her to sing? And 99% of the time she'll just start singing away. The, the same song we did and, and you yeah. get her every time. And yeah. It's, oh, that's cute. Only with my mom. It's not a game I do with anyone else, but yeah, no. I love it. I love her for it. And it's my favorite. It's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. so fun. Yeah. And, uh, especially when they're really par- 
you know, perplexed Barb. I just, right. <laughs> Johnny Appleseed. I could get Barb with that almost every day. That's wow. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Bless her heart. Shout out to you, Barb, if you're listening. Well, thanks, Cody. That's a good confession. Yeah, thank you. Um, that is. If Barb or anyone else wants to get in touch with the show, what are they going to do? They should email. We love receiving emails. We read a few at the beginning of this show. Mm-hmm. And we're always just on pins and needles waiting to hear what people are going to send our way at harmoniousgentlemen at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're somewhat active there. We'll be on yeah, Snapchat. We're semi active. Yeah, we're Ooh. on YouTube. We, we should have, be we got on, a new wow. subscriber today. Shout out to CJ. Nice. Um, so we have one subscriber on YouTube. So we don't. Have, we don't have <laughs> a lot of content there, but we exist. It'd be nice to have a TikTok channel. I guess that's where everything's happening right now. Am oh, I saying that right? TikTok. I think it's with It's actually an Inuit word. Sorry for that cultural appropriation. Awesome. So that's pretty much all we have to say. I think for tonight. I think so. Tyler, closing thoughts? Thanks for coming, Cody. Mm. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me, guys. It was really fun. Till next time. On the Harmonious Channel. Harmonious (laughs) Gentleman. (laughs) Harmonious Gentleman.